Hey everyone, it's me Korean. I am back. I want to give a quick shout out to Adam for editing last week's episode, which enabled me to get a lot of work done. This episode was recorded on March 30th, 2021. Today we'd continue the trend of unstructured discussions and dive into the idea of digital ownership. When you buy something online in its digital form, do you truly own it? Or are you just licensing it? What are you entitled to as the owner of a digital product? Do companies play into that and take advantage of consumers? Are NFTs the key? The latest hot trend in blockchain technology. Can they help ensure our digital goods remain ours? These are some of the few topics that we get into in today's show. There are lots more. If you have any thoughts, questions, or comments, please don't forget to send us a message on social media. We'd love to hear from you and promise to write back to every single one of you. Now, get ready for the show. Hey everyone, we are back with not the topic we spoke about last week, but a totally different one. It's going to be another unstructured discussion, so bear with us, but we know you enjoy it. Uh, as you know, Adam is a passionate PlayStation gamer, and he was saddened by a piece of news from last week. Why don't you fill us in, Adam? Uh, okay, well, technically it's a rumor at this point, but I, I mean, it's pretty much likely to occur. Basically, Sony has decided, or that's what people are saying, to delist all PS3, PSP, and Vita games basically forever. So originally what they did is they took them off of the online store and by doing that, you couldn't access your games on those systems except for the store apps on the systems themselves. Well, now it's rumored that they're going to just completely end support for those stores completely and there's basically no way that you're going to be able to get these games anymore. So if you have a PlayStation 3 or a PSP or a PS Vita, find some way to download all your games now because in the future, you might not be able to get them back. And if there were games that you wanted to play, you know, you're going to have to buy them all up because otherwise there may be no way to get them in the future. Very sad news. So I've got a few questions about this, Adam. Why do you think Sony decided to do this now? Uh, honestly, I think it's just a matter of I don't think there's too much profit in those systems anymore. I mean, you know, occasionally I'll buy something on my Vita, but almost never. And I never buy anything on my PS3 anymore. You know, and, and PSP, PSP and Vita kind of share the same space because you could buy PSP games on the Vita. So I think in that sense that the PSP wasn't too big of a thing. But I think it's really the Vita and the PS3 and the PS3 being two generations old at this point and not having the backwards compatibility. You just don't have too many people buying those games. And of those games, you know, any kind of multiplayer one probably is essentially dead anyway so any kind of multiplayer game like a call of duty or something like that you're not going to find anybody to play with and as far as the vita i mean it just didn't sell that well so i, I think it's just uh i think it's just costing them money to keep these things up and it's just a financial decision where it's you know it's not it's better for them financially just to to cut them off okay and i mean the next part is this is sort of a double whammy what do you expect the reaction will be from sony fans and Will there be a significant backlash? I think there's going to be a lot of moaning early on. I think this is one of those things where, you know, you're going to be going through the stages of grief. And one of the uh, early ones is going to be denial and, you know, people saying, oh, this is a terrible thing. This is a terrible thing. But I think eventually people just kind of are going to get used to it. I mean, it's like when... I think it's going to be very similar to when you have a small child and they have their toys and they haven't played with those toys for a long time. And then the parents are going to pack up the toys and 
give them off to charity. And suddenly the kid's like, oh, my God, no, these are my toys. I don't want you to get rid of them. And, you know, they, they play with them right now. But eventually they just move on to other stuff anyway. So, you know, realistically, I think you might get a small surge of people coming back and, and buying up certain titles and stuff like that. I know there's a few things that I kind of wanted to pick up on the Vita that I'm kind of like, OK, maybe I should buy it now while I can. Um, but ultimately, I don't think it's going to hurt their bottom line. Ultimately, I don't think it's going to alienate anybody. I think it's just because uh, because we see this sort of thing all the time. I mean, you know, nobody's buying SimCity 2000 anymore. Nobody's buying SimCopter, you know, SimAnt. You know, these aren't reliable uh, sources of income for EA, right? Uh, and I think this is kind of the same deal where, you know, it's it's just kind of disappearing. And I mean, Disney does this sort of thing all the time with the Disney vault where they're like, OK, you can't buy this movie anymore. It's going away for who knows how long could be 10 years, 15 years. And, you know, people always make a big fuss about it. But look at Disney. It's this huge company. It, it hasn't really hurt them at all, you know. And if anything, it's kind of helped out Disney. So, you know, there's always the possibility that with PlayStation, they shut this down. You know, if they bring back some of these games later, you know, it's kind of like, you know, like, for instance, Sega did their the Genesis pack or the Mega Drive pack where they have like, what, 35 games or something on a pack. If, you know, Sony came out with something like that from the PlayStation era and it's just like the JRPG pack and you just get a bunch of JRPGs, you know, people are going to love it. And I think they're going to forget that. You know, they delisted these games in the first place. So I, I don't think it's a long term problem. I mean, I mean, with your experience with Sony and I mean, just your overall, you know, experience in this market and industry, do you think there's an easy solution or what do you think is a probable solution or will there be a solution or it'll just be straight delistment? I think it's just straight up delisting. Uh, there's the possibility uh, there now. There has been a patent released by Sony a little while ago to add trophy support to older games, which if you don't have access to those games, it seems like a strange patent. Now, on the one hand, there's definitely on the one hand, there's definitely the idea that companies will sometimes file these patents with no intention of actually ever making them work. They just want to have that kind of intellectual property so that other people can't use it in the future. And if it comes up, they don't have to, you know, buy rights from somebody else. So there's a lot of times where people list ideas and they have no intention of ever bringing them to fruition. I'm pretty sure we're never going to get that banana controller that PlayStation recently <laughs> patented. So in that sense, I mean, it could be nothing. It could just be a way that they're like, okay, if Xbox ends up trying to add, you know, achievement support to older games, we want to be a, we want them to have to buy this, kind of patent from us not or they have to find their own solution to it uh, but there is also the possibility that they're working on some kind of emulator and later on they want to you know re-release these games on the ps5 and emulate it in some form uh, i don't know I, I know the ps3 is incredibly hard to emulate because its architecture was very different from pretty much anything else so i know in that sense it's, it's very difficult to do it with the ps3 the vita though i mean the PlayStation TV was basically a, a small mini console version of the Vita. So I think with the Vita and the PSP, it's possible. But also there are certain games on the PSP. Like uh, I've always wanted to play Final Fantasy 7. Uh, was it Crisis Core? 
but that was only ever released on UMD. It was never released digitally. And because it's on UMD, the only way to play it is on an original PSP. Do you want to remind some listeners not to know what a UMD actually is? It's kind of like a little disc built into a cartridge kind of thing. It's uh, I don't remember what it stands for. A universal media disc. Okay, yeah. It's, it's kind of like a little... It's kind of like its own little hard drive in a way, right? It's got the disc and it spins and it's, uh, yeah, it's like a little portable hard drive kind of. But yeah, but yeah, the, the only way there was a licensing problem and so they couldn't distribute the game digitally. So the only way you can play this game is to have an original PSP and I almost, and, and they haven't been manufacturing these things in a long time. So the only way to get one is to buy one used and nobody's complaining about that. So yeah. Okay. Other than, you know, the random person being like, oh, I really wish I could play this game. But realistically, <laughs> it's not a problem that they need to worry about. I mean, do you think they could do this? I mean, move all of this stuff to streaming on the PS Now? That's also definitely a possibility. Uh, the, the PS Now has a bunch of old PlayStation classics and stuff like that. A lot of the old PlayStation classics that were on the PS3 have been moved to PS now. So that's also definitely a possibility of just moving all those things over to PS now and then saying, Hey, you know, if you want to play them and, and that actually might be part of the strategy to compete with something like game pass, you know, is to let's just take all these old games and put them in one place where you can play them. And then, Hey, if you want to get them, get them on play uh, PlayStation now. So definitely a possibility. I mean, that's where like GOG, right? GOG stands for good old games. If you've yeah. never used it. And that's where they made their splash. I mean, besides The Witcher and that sort of stuff, right? Uh, yeah. Is GOG sells really, really old games that have been, you know, done up to run in Windows 10 and uh, other operating systems. And uh, I can imagine there's definitely a market. I mean, you would know better uh, for people wanting to play old Vita, PSP, PS3 games. There's always going to be a market. I don't think the market is quite as big as it is on PC. Because I think on average, PC gamers are older than console gamers. I think PC gamers are typically, you know, the the older individuals who can afford these better rigs and that sort of thing. And consoles are typically more for a younger audience. You know, they're less hassle. They're easier to set up and that sort of thing. Plus, I think older generations kind of grew up with PCs. So, you know, whereas younger generations grew up with consoles. There's definitely a market for it. I just think it's kind of a niche market, not a huge one. From here, we're going to go broad. Digital ownership or owning something in the digital sphere has become a more pressing issue in the past few years. Adam and I grew up buying a lot of physical games, but I dare say we have bought far more few digital games in the past few years than physical ones. Definitely true for me. I really didn't start buying digital downloads until towards the end of the PS3. I, I did DLC and that sort of thing, uh, for instance, with Fallout 3. But yeah, I was still buying... Up until right at the end of the PS3, you know, I was still buying World of Warcraft, Starcraft, Diablo. I have the box sets of all those. And even The Sims 2, not just the original game, but all the DLC, I have the boxes. Uh, so I definitely didn't start moving into digital until really the PS4 was when I really started doing digital. I think I have more physical games on the PS3 than... Uh, digital games, with the exception of the free games that I've gotten off of PlayStation Plus over the years. Uh, so, But definitely now, digital is the way to go. I don't have any physical PS5 games. Not that there are that many, but uh, for PS4 games, I probably only have you know, 
five or six physical copies. And I have 300 something games <laughs> in my library. So your, your first topic for today? Okay. Uh, so my first topic was there's been some news articles right now, and this is about the about, sorry, about uh, Sony's delisting of their, their stuff. And a lot of people are saying, oh, you know, they should preserve these, you know, because people want to play them. And so some people are arguing that Sony has an obligation to preserve their games. You know, that that's their responsibility. And I just kind of wonder, is it really their responsibility or, you know, it, first of all, is it anybody's responsibility to preserve these things? Are, are we obligated to preserve certain things or are we allowed to let certain things go and die in the past? Right. Uh, for example, if you have a family photo album, are you obligated? Is it your responsibility to scan them into your computer and put them online for, you know, possibly? prosperity or you know do you have every right just to say yeah you know what i don't i don't want to do this now it's a little bit different in that sense because you know we bought games from sony and that sort of thing but is the responsibility with sony or is it with the publisher i mean in a first party game they're the same thing right but if it's a game like say final fantasy 13 which was made by you know square enix is it Sony's responsibility to keep the store alive so that people can buy Final Fantasy 13? Or is it Square Enix? Is it their responsibility to find a way to allow people to play these games? And a lot of the games, like in Final Fantasy 13's case, you can play it on PC. So is it really Sony's obligation to preserve these things or not? And this is one of the things that people have been talking about for a really long time with when you buy a digital game, you don't own it. You, you've licensed it. And so technically, because you don't own the game, people have been talking about this for years, about how this is kind of something that could have happened where they just stop offering this game and you just can't access it anymore. And now we're getting to a point where this is happening. And yeah, I, I don't think they necessarily have an obligation to do that. But uh, yeah, I don't really know. What, what do you think? I'm of two veins of thought is I think if you're a game and a game company and um, just just like in the I think there's a, a rule in the GAAP, which is generally accepted accounting practice, which I have had to be reviewing the last few weeks. But that says uh, if a business has to do something that does not present an onerous burden to the business. It should do it if it benefits the client. Okay. Now, what's your definition of onerous burden? So if English is not your first language, onerous burden is just means something that has a, a big weight to it. And I think if you've made money and you're, you're making money in your business and this does create uh, brand value or value or intangible value to your company, I think you should do it. Uh, that being said, I mean, businesses are businesses you're supposed to make money and if this i mean if it does but i mean servers and data costs are extremely cheap i mean the world runs on aws now and i i think if you're a multi-billion dollar company you know keeping a million dollar server running or a 10 million dollar server running that's you know 
developing you know value for your clients i mean for your customers and in some way i think it's 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 something you should you know just put the money down it's it's 10 million dollars is not going to kill you but yeah and I, like you mentioned i mean i've kickstarted a few games one a, a game i really really liked was a game called shutterbound which lasted i think including the kickstarter all of a year before they were like nope this game is not viable and that was it uh I kickstarted it. It was an online card game, and that was the end of Shardbound. And uh, there was another game by the guys who made RuneScape. Uh, that was a really, really cool game, and I loved that. And those guys, I think, after three years, stopped developing that. And that was another digital game where I had cards, and it's it's gone. So I mean, it's it's terrible, and I actually I do wish there was a way for me to keep that stuff. Uh, even if every now and then I could like click on a digital file and say, hey, these are the cards I had from this game 10 years ago. Sounds weird, but I would want that. Yeah, there was a game when the, the Vita first came out. It was called Destiny of Spirits. And I kind of played it and it was kind of a... It was kind of like a Pokemon thing. Basically, the it was interesting in that there was a global network and where you were you would show up on a map it had a world map and and you there would be spirits in your vicinity and you could summon these spirits and then you could use them to fight you know other spirits and and basically it was kind of interesting because they were based on local folklore so oh, cool. if you're here in taiwan right so if you're here in taiwan you would get you know spirits that looked like you know jiangshi the hopping vampires or or you might be able to, you know, on occasion find certain spirits that might be from other parts of Asia that were nearby. You know, you might be able to find certain yokai or certain things from Vietnam and that sort of stuff. Uh, but what you could do is you could go on and you could trade. So there were certain monsters or spirits that would only show up in North America. There are certain ones that would only show up in Japan. And, and so it was kind of like a Pokemon type thing, but it was only on the Vita and it wasn't super popular. And after a few months, it kind of went, and this was like an early Pokemon Go, because what you could do is I could sit there at home and then I could drive to work, turn on the Vita, and it would see how far I had traveled since my last login. And wow. it could level things up similar to how Pokemon Go does with your walking. So oh, this so was, that like, was a, like the first geolocation game, right? Uh, there might have been earlier ones, but this was one of the early ones. Wow. And yeah, yeah, it was really cool. But then... The, they announced, you know, we're just going to end this game because not that many people play or play it outside of Japan. And even there, it's not super popular and because uh, just not many that people have Vitas. And it wasn't a PlayStation. I don't think it was a PlayStation first party game. So they ended it. And yeah, it was, if you had spent money in this game, sorry, you know, all this stuff is gone and it's disappeared. And But yeah, in, in another sense, I mean, say you buy... Say, say you bought an N64, right? Or this is one of the problems that the, the Sega Genesis has. The, the cartridges have a battery inside. When that battery dies, that cartridge is gone. You can't play that game anymore. You know, so these things have a shelf life. And in a way, digital media, you know, so we've been living with this thing for a long time. And in a way, digital media is kind of, you know, we have this expectation that it should survive forever. But, you know, we're, we're kind of, used to this idea that things will not last forever and again you know it's okay maybe it's not super expensive to keep these servers open for the the playstation 3 and the vita and that sort of thing but i mean really 
how much traffic are you getting? You know, how many PlayStation 3 downloads have there been in the last year? You know, probably less than a thousand, you know, maybe in the hundreds, but maybe even possibly less. Very few PlayStation 3 downloads in the last year, you know? And so it's one of those things where it's like, okay, yeah, it's not that costly for us to, to keep it open, but really we're just keeping it open for the sake of keeping it open and nobody's using it. You know what I mean? It's kind of like if you had, it's kind of like if you have an arcade in the mall and you have the old cabinets and stuff like that. And, you know, it's owned by the mall itself. And it's like, okay, the mall is making money. So it doesn't, you know, this, we can afford to keep this thing open, but nobody ever goes in there. Sure. Sure. Should we keep it open or should we move those resources somewhere else? Like what you were saying, if if they move those resources, that $10,000 or $10 million into PlayStation now and supporting them on there or something like that, you know, is that a better use of the money? I mean, I I think it's, I mean, in the mall perspective, the difference is the physical space, right? The physical space. You can use it for something else, but, but the, the monetary space, you know, like the, or the server space, you know, we can use these for, PlayStation now, you know, there's still a physical space and there's still a physical. But I mean, that that physical space is is not limited. I mean, the the, the idea of more server space, it's just an extra server. It's just, uh, I mean, last time I looked at AWS, it's just a freaking hell. It's it's a couple of dollars, not even 10 bucks for an extra Mm -hmm. Amazon server. If you're a premium business client for Amazon, which is what Sony is. uh, Yeah, I mean, they're they're charging them bucks, just just. 10, 15, 20 bucks, uh, then you pay for your data and data is exceptionally cheap as well. It's, it's, I mean, it's, that's the beauty of AWS is that it's expandable and even automatically expandable without actually having someone to say, click and say, purchase another server. It's for big clients. It's just when you need extra space, Amazon's web service automatically expands and charges you at the end of the month. I also don't know. Uh, yeah. I also don't know if, uh, you know, keeping these, certain titles on the store you know are there certain licensing fees that go into you know keeping these things on the store and that sort of thing you know do companies have to pay sony does sony have to pay companies you know that's also a good point you as know, well. like like if uh you know if we have say the final fantasy 5 final fantasy 6 collection or whatever up on the store you know is sony having you know is squaresoft having to pay sony every so often for to keep these games up you know, like, hey, we're going to pay you this, keep them on the servers. Or is Sony, you know, paying Squaresoft something, you know, like, hey, let us continue to sell these. I don't really know. And then, you know, there's always like copyright, you know, yes. times and stuff like that. So, I mean, it might be the time where most of the games that aren't first party would have been, you know, we just nobody's renewing them, you know, because like, for instance, if EA games comes on and they're like, nobody's buying this game. Come on. Let's just we're, why should we pay for it? Right. You know. And again, that goes back to whose responsibility is it to preserve these games? Is it the publisher? Is it the distributor? Is it the platform? Um, I don't. I don't know if it's really clear for that. Or should we have some sort of government body like uh, the Smithsonian? You know, some sort of gaming government? You know, or 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 nonprofit organ? Yeah, and that's what they do: is they take these old games and they preserve them, and you can go there and you can play these games. You know, so should we have some sort of organization that that's their job is to preserve these things? Um, you know, because if it's one of those things where not enough people are buying it, but if you really want to play it, you know, you can go there and, and get a copy or something like that, you know. 
Yeah. I mean, it's just like art is preserved, I think, which is the, been the argument, right? Is video games are art, so art, video games should be preserved. Right. Some art's preserved. <laughs> oh, true, true. Some art is preserved. And I mean, there's, as we talked about this last week, right, is that, I mean, if you're an indie game, uh, even a, a, let's say a medium-sized company, it's very, very easy to put DRM, you know, free executable or inst- installer on your website and say, hey, you can't get this game on Steam or the Epic Store or the PlayStation Store, or whatever store. But if you want, you can get it from our website, pay this amount of money, and you know it's it's taking up. I mean, let's see, in the modern day of games, maybe anywhere from four to twenty gigabytes on their server, and they can include that into the price of of their data into storage. And then there will be some people, I would imagine, and especially, and it's some people will be, you know, it's that feeling of when I'm looking for something and I'm in the mood, I'm like, oh my God, I miss playing. You gave the example of the SimCity 2000. And there I can go to this website, uh, Maxis's website, there's no Maxis anymore, but, uh, and download SimCity 2000 and say, oh God, I feel so good. Thank you for keeping this around for me. Yeah, no, that was something that actually was really interesting to me was I had always thought that computers were, you know, because, oh, computers are backwards compatible forever. They're not. You know, I tried to reinstall SimCopter one time and it was like, nope, this won't run on your modern systems. You know, this was designed to be used on older processors and it just won't run properly because these processors are too fast and, you know, or they're uh, 64 bit as opposed to, you know, 32 bit or 16 bit or whatever. And so, yeah, P- PCs aren't even entirely. Uh, that's why a lot of those old games had to use a, a DOS emulator yes, to run yes. the games. That's a GOG's niche is, is doing all that stuff. Yeah, I, I tried to reinstall Sims 2 once and then on my modern computer and it, it, I realized I couldn't do it. And uh, then it turns out that EA released a Windows 10 compatible version of it. Uh, nice. where it was just the full game and it had all the DLC and all that. But uh, but yeah, you know, I my old games, you know, I it was gone. I had to rebuy it to play it on this modern system. And, uh, you know, in theory, you could keep an old PC around forever if you wanted to play these old games. But, uh, you know, you have to find ways around it. And so it's kind of the same thing, you know, where, you know, I buy this, but the platform itself is is gone. You know, PlayStation 3s are dwindling you know they're not there's never going to be more there's always just going to be less and fewer so yeah i don't know it's, it's a weird thing i mean I, in my personal opinion i would love for them to preserve these things but at the same time if i'm being entirely honest with myself i'm never going back to my ps3 oh, no, i'm just totally do it you know and so it's kind of like if you can it, so it, it seems like a great gesture to do it but it's kind of hollow and empty because yeah, you know, and, and that's why I'm saying I, I feel like a lot of people are probably going to go through those stages of grief where they're going to say like, oh, no, this is bad. This is horrible. You should preserve these things. And then it's like, no, please, you know, keep it open. And, you know, and then eventually I think it's going to get to acceptance where it's like, you know, honestly, I was I was never going to go back and turn on my PlayStation 3 anyway. Um, totally. Yeah. I mean, uh, speaking of, of old stuff, uh, like I. You know, like you guys have been seeing Adam's trying a lot of different stuff and we're trying to bring you guys a variety of content. Uh, so I, I, we, you know, we usually talk about uh, new games and stuff. And uh, I picked up Evil Genius Simulator 2, which uh, releases today. So, I mean, I'll be st- probably, I should probably stream it uh, Friday, uh, but I'm going to finish. Actually, I will definitely stream it Friday. And uh, 
But yeah, I have Evil Genius Simulator 1, which I have no idea how I got. But I mean, I looked at it. I'm like, oh my God, this looks God awful. I mean, I'm a Switch gamer. So I mean, I understand games not looking good, but damn, that looks bad. (laughs) So I mean, it's just like Adam said, I I can't imagine myself playing some of the older games that are in my Steam catalog ever. Uh, At that point, I would like to... Like when it comes to memories and stuff, I keep like uh, I have a folder on my Google Drive for old game screenshots and that, that sort of stuff. I'd like to keep that. And uh, going back to like digital collectible card games, uh, I'd love to keep card art. I mean, I would like to look at that stuff. Some of the art is just amazing. Yeah, I think there's. Uh, I think the card game thing is is, is interesting. I noticed you had that because um, yeah, it, it, like a physical card game, you can keep them and people collect them. Right. Yeah. Some people don't even want to play. It's just a collector's item. Exactly. Uh, and I know a lot of people did that with digital or with physical media. You know, they collect the games. They liked having the boxes on display. Uh, this is something that I told my niece uh, when I got my PS5 because PS5 is compatible with all the PS4 games. So I said, OK, you know what? If because uh, uh, she seemed interested in it, I was like, I'll, I'll let you borrow my PS4, but I'm, I'm you're borrowing it. You can't have it, <laughs> you know, so if you ever upgrade to a PS5 or something like that, I, I want it back because, you know, I, I I would like to put it up on my beautiful shelf here behind me and, you know, have my little collection of old consoles and that sort of thing. Definitely. So I like having that stuff around. Uh, so, yeah, there's definitely something worth collecting on that. But like with the cards, it's kind of hard, too, because if you don't have the game, how are you going to view them? You would need some kind of medium for viewing these cards but i mean that's the kind of thing where you could just you know they could put it up there you could download it and it's uh you know you don't have to update it or anything it's just a basically a card viewer app um but yeah yeah and then i, I liked your i mean your, your point too here with the nfts and using those for cards yeah. i think that's a really great idea because i know one of the problems that digital card games have had is uh like in a physical card game you can trade cards but obviously in a lot of these games like even games like say borderlands you know duping is always a thing yes but yes, uh with yes. ntfs you can't really do that can you uh no 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 because i mean there's uh one digital certificate of authenticity which is verified on the blockchain and uh if you don't know what blockchain is uh let me put that up actually uh where is that yeah so this is a screenshot this is bitcoin everybody knows bitcoin bitcoin is the idea of a blockchain where if you think of a blockchain as a ledger or an accounting book or a financial statement but instead of the bank holding it or somebody holding it everybody has a record of the blockchain on their computer and everybody of all the transactions like if you guys probably can't see that very clearly but this is a screenshot I took of the Bitcoin blockchain and it shows transactions. And the, one of the very first transactions is somebody traded 15 Bitcoin for uh, something like 800,000 US dollars, uh, maybe a bit more than that now. But yeah, and you can see this guy's wallet address. You know, this guy made this transaction when the transactions are anonymous, but you do get to see that. And even with NFTs and NFTs, again, if you're not in the know, is a non-fungible tokens. I mean, the idea is, is that, you know, there is just this thing. You can't change it. You can alter it. It is just there. And uh, yeah, yeah, NFTs are the key. I mean, if, if you want to learn more about it, I would suggest you listen to the Twit podcast. 
this week in tech there's a whole bunch of them you just search for nfts online there's a bunch of articles there's even an article just out today to sort of if you want to make your own nfts you can go to mint.com and do that and uh yeah and you can make some money and convert it into good old hard greenbacks if you're living in america and uh but yeah coming back to the game stuff is that uh, nfts allows you to say hey i own this card and i own this card or i own this part of the game or i own this item and there are actually games built on the blockchain right now which do do that there's some game called god something or the other which is built on the ethereum blockchain and you are allowed to trade stuff and there's uh, a farming game called uh, alice's life uh, which i am uh, one of the investors in actually so take that with a grain of salt uh but that that game is built on the blockchain and there it's sort of like the animal crossing slash stardew valley but where actually people own digital land you can trade land with each other and trade animals and variations of animals and all that sort of stuff and and that can be for real money if you do want to do that so uh, nfts are definitely a key and I, i definitely think that will help in the future if companies are willing to integrate NFTs into their ecosystem. I think that would be really great for games like uh, if, 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 say, Warhammer ever went digital, you know, so you can get the figurines and put the NFTs on the figurines and the people can trade them and that sort of thing. I think that would be because I, I, I have a friend and he always thought that the future of, of those would be something like that, where you would buy a license for a model and then you know when we have 3d printers in the future you could just print the models at home you don't have to order them online Mm. but you can only print it one time um but yeah i think you know that'd be kind of a similar thing with you know digital stuff and then trading and i think that's really cool and then that also i think is really interesting because you can have things like rarities uh where things are intentionally rare uh but like real art, they could be destroyed and cease to exist altogether. So that's kind of a worrisome thing on some level, right? But I mean, how would you destroy an NFT? You just lose it. Like uh, the guy who lost his Bitcoin in a uh, in a USB and it got thrown away. Ah, yes, 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 yes. I mean, so, yes. You know, yes. something like that. Like if you're if you had a or like I had my hard drive and my hard drive died. You know, if yes. if, if, if that happened and then you just can't recover, it's just gone forever so that actual copy yes but i mean you could never lose your ownership of it oh okay so because okay. other people have a record of it yes 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 uh... so even if you lose that actual copy and then again like a lot of nfts have a certain number of copies so even if you lost your copy i think like i was telling you about the waifu stuff and they usually have like a one yeah, or 15 waifu. copies <laughs> and so like this actual art piece there are 15 copies so even if you lost yours, I'm not sure how that would work, though. You could potentially approach another holder and say, hey, uh, could you send me a copy of this? And you could show them your NFT and say, yeah, I actually owned this before. I've lost the physical copy on my hard drive. And uh, yeah, or you, could, uh, you could approach the artist because the artist is the one who created it. Hmm. Interesting. Yes. And then that artist can verify it because it, it's on the blockchain. You just go to a simple blockchain exploring app and say, hey, this wallet address purchased this piece of art on this date for this amount of money. And if you, I mean, that's like your receipt and it's available forever for anyone to see. Yeah. 
So you, anybody could copy it. It's just you verify that I have a verified copy. Yes, 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 okay. yes. Because that there's all the transactions are listed in the blockchain and they stay there forever, which is why I told Adam the other day, uh, I saw the news that the Bitcoin blockchain is like 100 gigabytes plus. And the uh, Dogecoin, the uh, Dogecoin, I don't know how people want to say that. I, I thought it was Dogecoin. Doge. Oh, People say Doge for some reason. I hear on American podcasts. So, Might be uh, Doge. I don't know. I always thought it was uh, Doge. But then I thought the Stadia was the Stadia. So don't don't uh, <laughs> trust anything about my pronunciation. Uh, but I, I like I like the idea of Dogecoin. So I'm going to call it Dogecoin. Um, but yeah, I mean that's what that's another huge because uh, my partner Zona she wanted Dogecoin and we ended up buying a little bit of Dogecoin and uh, that one as well. Uh, I think to have a wallet on your computer. And when I started syncing the wallet, because you have to download the entire blockchain, uh, it, it said it, it said something along the lines of uh, seven weeks to sync on my computer. What? Of leaving my computer on the whole time so I could get the entire blockchain on my computer. That's crazy. Yeah, it started off for seven freaking years. I was like, no way. Seven years, I'm going to be 45. So, no, no, no. <laughs> So I was like, oh, no, we're just going to use another wallet. We don't need to sync the entire blockchain because that's just a waste of time. But I mean, once it's synced up, is it, is it always synced up or? Yeah, yeah. once it's synced up, it's just sort of. Uh... Okay. So it's not like, oh, I've synced up after seven years. Now I need to sync up again. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I mean, you'd be a fool to sync up and spend like six weeks or seven weeks syncing up uh, Dogecoin or Dogecoin and then. Be like, yeah, I'm going to switch off my computer and never do that again for another few weeks. And then you just screw yourself in terms of computing time. I mean, it doesn't use up computing resources a lot. So you can just do that. And like while you're working at home or whatever, you can sync it for eight hours a day or 10 hours a day for a long time. And that could work, but that's still a gigantic pain. Mm. But yeah, that could also work with what you were saying with like, you know, just put the executable files on your website or whatever and just mm. people download it. And it's like, OK, you know, you have a verified copy of it. And you were saying you were talking to me about in the office about uh, doing that. And then, you know, if you have a right to a game, you could just go to anywhere in the blockchain, basically, and, and just re-download it. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the record is all there. Yeah. So so why not? I don't know. That might be a... a, a way of the future indeed but so, yes no, go ahead i was just gonna say transitioning to the next part it, it yeah, might, that's what I, I, say. I, I was gonna transition to the next part for you <laughs> battle born and evolve oh well i was gonna transport to the other part but uh <laughs> sure we can go into that no battle born and, be, and evolve i was just uh the reason i i wanted to bring up those is because these games were basically already dead on arrival and we can't play these games anymore really you can still play evolve but uh you I think you can play it locally, but there's almost no point. And if you, I think you can still do peer-to-peer connections if you know who you're connecting to. Okay. Uh, but Battleborn is dead. There's there's no way to play it. Absolutely, you know. And that was kind of disappointing to me because when it came out, I really enjoyed Battleborn. I thought it was going to be a lot of fun, you know. And, and I, I really enjoyed it. And, and my friends and I, we were like, hey, you know, we're we're going to buy Battleborn and we're going to play it and um i bought it and, and they didn't and so now yeah and so now when my friends are like hey let's let's play a game i'm like okay and i i don't i don't buy it until they bought it yet you know i used to i used to be like okay i'm gonna buy it now and you know i'll be ready for them and it'll be downloaded and stuff and now i don't buy it until they buy it um 
for that exact reason is I've, you know, a couple games that I've downloaded and then uh, that happened to me with Battlefront 2. It happened to me with uh, Battleborn, you know. Uh, my friends wanted to play Squadrons and I'm like, okay, that sounds interesting, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'll wait for you guys to buy it first and then I'll buy it, you know. So Ben uh, mentioned Squadrons yesterday. He said he hated it. Really? Yeah, yeah. He said he bought it and then he... he he played it and then he stopped and he's gone back to pray, play, pray again. Oh, interesting. I've yes. seen a lot of people really, really like it, but uh, most of the people that I see really like it are playing with the joystick and the, and mm. that whole control scheme. So maybe that, that has something to do with it. I have another friend who, who Ben knows and, and he absolutely loves it. He thinks it's great. Um, I heard lots of good things about it, but uh, yeah. I think it's probably not on my radar. Yeah, but but I held off because I'm like I'm not going to play this game single player. So you know, if, if other mm. people get it, I'll I'll, I'll play it. But uh, but yeah, so it's uh, you know, and 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 basically, I was kind of thinking, you know, games like Battleborn and Evolve, which are intended to be multiplayer games, you know, when it comes to preservation, should we think of them differently? Because it's not just preserving the game itself. I mean, the, the what the big selling point on these games is the multiplayer aspect. And if you don't have other people, then where's the point in preserving the game? True, you know what true, I mean? true. Uh, so say preserving something like uh, Drakengard, which is a single player game, you know, it's kind of the precursor to or prequel to Nier, you know, uh, preserving a game like Drakengard, you know, anybody can enjoy it because it's a single player game. It's designed to be that. But, you know, Call of Duty, I don't know, three or whatever. I don't know. What are they on now? Battlefield seven or something. It's like Call of Duty Warzone and Call of Duty. I I looked it up the other day. I can't remember. Yeah. I mean, going back to the PlayStation three versions of Call of Duty. Is anybody going to play that? I don't think so. I, I when I was on the PS3, I loved Killzone three. I played Killzone three all the time, all the time to the point where my wife would complain about it. Uh, yeah, so I, I played that game all the time and I played it up to the point where I would log in and I would join a game and it was just me. There's nobody else in, in the, in the level. And so I'm completing all the objectives and, you know, I can level up relatively quickly because I'm the one completing all the objectives, but it's just, there's nobody else there to play with. And, you know, at that point, you know, I, a company could say we can still sell this game, but you're never going to play with anybody you can just run around alone in this empty field you know and in a way is that because like you said uh, you know these companies they should do something that's good for the for the for the customer but is that really helping the customer if you're like i'm going to keep this alive but you're never going to enjoy it <laughs> you know like i'm going to allow you to buy it but yeah you know like I mean, I, I think it's 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 like a lot of things companies do just to sort of build. Again, goes back to what I think. I always see it on. Uh, I've seen it on spreadsheets and stuff. Well, I just say spreadsheets on company financial statements. You know, they have a value for the company's brand, and it's an intangible value, but it's a it's a value that they estimate in billions of dollars or millions of dollars. And I think that adds to it. That builds brand loyalty. That. Uh, it's it's like the uh, GOG did a I think a wonderful job with Cyberpunk and saying hey if you buy this game this is what we get uh, and this is the stuff you will get and we give you extra value because of that and um, despite me not you know really enjoying Cyberpunk that much towards the end of it 
I mean, it was still a fantastic purchase. I got so much really, really cool stuff and art and music and stuff that I actually looked at. And it's it's stuff that they're hosting on their GOG server, and it's going to be there forever. I think uh, their Cyberpunk or CD Projekt Red is a rich company. So it's it's stuff that gives me a connection to the brand. And even if I can't fully enjoy it five years later or six years later, knowing that I got that benefit or I can still get that benefit still, I think, could be worth it to companies. But that, again, that's a single player game, not a multiplayer game. You know. I mean, even if in a, in a multiplayer game, fine, you're right. If I couldn't play it multiplayer, that would be difficult. I mean, I, I still think it should be still available and maybe, you know, tack on a bot. I mean, bots are easy things to add into game. I think you just add a bot mode. Uh, it depends on the game. I mean, if there wasn't one already in it, like Killzone 3 actually had a bot mode, so I yes. could have done that. Um, so that was a possibility. But... Uh... But yeah, if, if sometimes if there's not a bot mode, you know, programming it, basically you have to go in. And again, that's spending resources on going back into an old game and, and that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's a really, I think it's kind of a philosophical question in a way. And I don't think there's necessarily a correct answer of what's right or wrong. I think it's very much based on people's personal opinions and that sort of thing. True, uh, true, true. Yeah. So... But uh, what I was going to say, I don't remember what I was going to move on. The to. DVD dinosaur stuff? <laughs> no, I was going to move on to, uh, but I mean, that, that one's kind of interesting. I don't even remember what I was going to say anyway. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. But we can move on to the DVD dinosaur stuff. Uh, so will games go the way of the DVD? Uh, so currently, physical games are obviously a lot less popular. We're buying a lot more digital, right? And if you look at DVD sales, not just DVDs in general, but also Blu-ray DVDs, I think they said since the advent of Netflix and Hulu and Disney Plus and all that, DVD sales have declined by 86%, which is a huge um, decline. And, you know, people aren't really buying these things as much as they used to, especially because, like, for instance, I know when I was little, we bought a bunch of Pokemon VHS, you know, and I would watch them over and over and over again. We had uh, Babe, the pig movie on VHS. We watched that all the time. And I know a lot of little kids, you know, they'll, they'll watch the same things over and over and over again. But with something like Netflix, like I have a friend who will just put on the Peppa Pig channel and, you know, his son just watches Peppa Pig. You know, hmm. it's just all Peppa Pig all day long. And, you know, as we move into streaming, we're not quite at streaming yet, but when we move into streaming games, are we going to see games kind of go the way of uh, the DVD where people are going to be buying less games and they're going to be you know, opting into these kind of streaming services or services like Game Pass and people are just not going to be buying games as much as they used to? I mean, currently right now, they say your average Game Pass user uses more or spends more money because they still buy games alongside Game Pass. Um, but if we look at Netflix when it was early, you know, people were still buying DVDs. It was just when we started getting into Hulu and, and uh, Amazon. And, and so as, you know, we start moving into the Amazon Luna and if Apple ends up opening their thing and, uh, you know, other companies start moving into their kind of streaming services and that sort of, sort of thing like PlayStation Now. And, you know, are we going to start seeing 
you know, is the model of selling games going to be as lucrative or is it going to be better off for these companies just to create these streaming services? And are we going to see kind of the a decline in, in game sales and seeing people more playing these games on these services? So it's a very good question. Um, so before I give my opinion, don't forget to email us with your thoughts about that because that's, I mean, I'm sure you've all thought about it. Middleagedgaming2020 at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think. I mean, are you buying less? Are you buying more? Are you subscribing to multiple services? Are you waiting for Amazon Luna to launch in your region? Amazon, I got your invite, but I can't use it. That's not fair. It's not. Um, so, I mean, Adam and I, as usual, uh, surprisingly got into this topic a little bit before we started the podcast, uh, which is why we're, we're a little bit late today. But, I mean, I, I personally think it's it's people who buy physicals who are collectors are, are going to keep collecting. People who are not collectors are not going to collect. And, I mean, I had a thought for you is, do you think, you know, as, you know, they say from an iParents generation, you know, people were... were lives were less busy and now life has become more busy so people are trying to simplify so people try to buy less and the idea of not having a huge stack of cds or dvds or boxes of games in your house maybe that's appealing on a, on a psychological level and to say that yes i get to keep my collection forever you know i mean it's the thing i love about uh, the apple ecosystem the steam ecosystem as well as that uh, as i upgrade my ipads as long as the games themselves are compatible with the iOS version, these games I'm own, I own these games forever. Uh, same thing with Steam. I mean, uh, as long as these games are compatible with whatever operating system comes after Windows 10, these games are with me forever. No matter how many times my computer blows up or I change it or something like that, uh, I think that's that's wonderful uh, physical editions also i mean i love the art i love this the extra stuff you could get in them like adam mentioned he had the sims 2 original edition uh yeah i have all the boxes but i mean i don't think you could buy them digitally back then yes 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 so um i i think i mean to sum it up my opinion is is just people will buy what they want to buy i think definitely people are going to buy less because i love the fact that i don't have to keep boxes around anymore and i have like a one of those old CD holders with CD versions of games that I keep, though I'm never going to play because I do not have a CD drive, let alone a DVD drive in my computer. Yeah, exactly. Uh, one When we bought a computer, we said we want a DVD drive. And the guy kind of gave us a funny look like, why? <laughs> just just buy like a, a USB DVD drive. Why do you want a DVD drive in your computer? And we're like, no, we still have a lot of old CDs and stuff that we, you know, because like to install, say, Adobe or something like that, you know. Yes. Um, so we were like, no, 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 we want it. And the guy was like, oh, okay, you know, but yeah, yeah. And a lot of modern PCs don't have DVD drives in them anymore. Exactly. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, and I do think that eventually... I do wonder if maybe at some point things like Game Pass or Luna or, uh, you know, xCloud, I guess, you know, or PlayStation Now, you know, are people going to, I think, I, I do think people will eventually start opting into those more and buying fewer games, especially as right now, these services are relatively small, but as they grow, like Netflix, when it started off, you know, people were still buying DVDs because Netflix had a, a library, but it wasn't super huge. Um, you know, especially back when they were the renting of the DVDs. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I remember. I was living in America then. Right, you know, so people would still buy DVDs. Yes. Uh, but uh, yeah, now that they've grown super, super huge. I mean, how many shows are on Netflix now? Uh, I don't even know. Hundreds. hundreds. Right. Yeah. I mean, Game Pass has how many games? Like, Oh, Game Pass, maybe? Uh, uh, more than 100. More than 100, but less yeah. than 200, right? Yeah, I'm not even sure about that now. When I started Game Pass beginning of last year, uh, it was uh, under 100. And yeah. now it's it's grown exponentially with the inclusion of uh, EA Pass, plus Microsoft adding additional titles, plus Bethesda stuff is all on there now as well. Right, you know, so once these services start getting into the thousands of games, you know, I, I think that people would, why would you buy games? <laughs> you know? No, no, t- uh, totally. Yeah, there's there's uh, totally going to be something that before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so I, I, you know, and then at that point, it's kind of, uh, and at that point, this whole kind of should PlayStation preserve their games kind of becomes moot because you're you don't own anything. You're just basically renting access to this this library. Um, you know, it's kind of like why would you, you know, it's, it's like imagine you have a library next door. Why would you ever buy a book if you can just go to the library and pick a book of thousands off the shelves and then just return it to the library? Um, and I think that that's kind of where we're going to go is that you're going to have these giant libraries. And so I, I think the whole idea of preserving these games in a way is is kind of moot because, you know, eventually we won't own anything. We, you know, nothing will be ours. It'll all be something that we just pull off of this larger system, particularly once we get to streaming, because you won't physically have it on your system. Uh, True. And then specs, will, you know, and I think that's advantageous because then I don't have to buy a really nice high-end PC. I just have to buy a card that can stream well enough, right? And so once I think streaming really takes off, I think that, yeah, this won't. So I, in, in a way, it's kind of like, okay, it, it'd be nice if they preserve this. But yeah, I think in, the, in term, I, I think it's a nice gesture. But I think in terms of realistically looking into the future, it's not... It's not really a, an issue, you know. It, it, it's going to be interesting to see, and certainly Adam and I will follow up on this. Like uh, I think we've talked about in previous podcasts, I'm going to be going back to Xbox Game Pass uh, come summer uh, just to see, just because I'm just really not going to buy too much. And especially if Xbox Game Pass gets that uh, D&D game that I'm really interested in, uh, then that's guaranteed to be. But even then, I might just go with Xbox Game Pass, give it uh, and see what's going to happen in summer and uh, maybe keep you guys updated at the same time as far as this goes. And Adam, so next week we're talking about games, right? Uh, That's the plan, but that's what we said last week too. So we'll see. Yes, because then that PlayStation news dropped, and we had to talk about that. Yeah, uh, digital ownership is is definitely such a big thing, and uh, NFTs is still raging on today. And as people will tell you, you know, nobody, you you never own anything digitally; you license it. Yes, yes, yes. And so, yeah, um, I finished Godfall this past weekend with uh, a friend of ours, Hans, and uh, so nice. I'm going to be talking about that and my impressions of Cyberpunk uh, when I finished it in 22 hours, which was disappointing. Uh, and I'm, yeah, yeah, and playing control as well. And and Ben told me last night, uh, I'm I'm towards the end of control as well. Man, I'm in the like hundred and I don't know, hundred and twenty something hours on Valhalla, and I keep thinking I'm at the end, and then it's like, oh no, 
now this new quest and i'm like oh gosh you know come on let me let me finish this i don't want this to be another witcher 3 <laughs> and then uh my brothers and i we play ghost recon breakpoint and uh, my younger brother said yeah we're almost towards the end of breakpoint i'm like jesus oh man yeah yeah I so play we're... a shorter game <laughs> so i mean we've got all those then we're trying to figure out what we're going to play next and we might we might give velheim a go so and yeah. uh you're going to be talking about windbound <clears throat> yes windbound and haven and haven and uh your experiences with free fire and apex, apex. and those four right so I mean, we're yep. gonna we're gonna have to uh, go over a lot of stuff very quickly in the next week. I think Apex and Free Fire. I haven't played too much, and they're kind of in the same vein. So, oh sure, sure, sure. But I mean, I'm sure people, especially in our age group, I'm I'm really curious about your experience with Apex because uh, I've follow a lot of people on Twitter who played, and I, I wanna. It would be nice to try. Yeah. Okay, that's it. And uh, thanks, everybody, for being here. I mean, we're really happy. Loads of people stopped in. But as usual, as Adam says, nobody asked us a question. Uh... And we're still looking for Twitter and IG on Facebook. Drop us some questions. If you've got any thoughts, maybe even send us a link. Say, hey, can you put this on your Facebook page? I'd love to do that. Instead of putting stuff that I find or, or maybe Adam's interested in and tagging Adam in. So if you, if, you, if you want us to discuss about something, send us a link. We'd love to. You don't even have to write a message. Just here, click, say a link. But please, no weird links. Um, and <laughs> yeah, that's it. Thank you for watching. Uh, Adam will be streaming tomorrow. I will. And I'm going to try to stream Friday. We'll see. Uh, okay. we, we do have a holiday. It is tomb sweeping day. so it Oh, yes, on... yes. But as usual, Adam is crazy busy when it comes to holiday time. Yeah, family stuff's pretty pretty busy. Uh, yes. So I'll, I'll try to I'll try to. It is early in the morning. My wife doesn't usually wake up too early, so I'll try to stream, but uh, no guarantees. Yes. Uh, but I, I will be streaming tomorrow. So, oh, very very good. Yes. And as usual for me, Thursday new Hearthstone expansion launches tomorrow. So Ooh. I'll be doing Hearthstone Thursday, Evil Genius Simulator Friday, and uh, maybe a weekend stream. Uh, maybe maybe we'll see how much work I have to get done. But thanks very much for watching and listening. And if you're listening on the podcast, don't forget to subscribe, leave us a review. And we will see you guys next week, Tuesday at the usual time. Have a lovely evening, morning, or whatever time of day it is. <laughs> All right. See everyone next week.